live from Baltimore, Maryland. And today we're going to be talking about something very important. But before we get into that, we want to let you know about all of the things uh, art pros related, like our Instagram at paid artists and also our website, artprospodcast.com and our Patreon, Art Pros Podcast. You can just search pay, uh, that on Patreon or you can go Patreon slash Art Pros Podcast. Go there through our website and everything. Okay, so Patreon is a good transition, but this was not. You listen <laughs> to the Art Pros, and today's episode is going to be all about that moolah, that gouda, that cheese, that bread, that money. Yeah. Uh, so uh, episode this episode today is brought to you by Bank of America. So thank you, Bank of America, <clears throat> and all of the other banks for doing being really good at taking our money and accepting bailouts from the government using taxpayer money when you fuck up the economy thank you so much yeah i mean why don't they keep it fair i'm fucking up the economy with my debt yeah some of you guys may use crypto some of you may use u.s dollars we've got some people in denmark who use the the danish buck otherwise known as the duck we have uh, our Filipino listeners who use the American dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So in the Philippines, they use pesos. Uh, well, anyways, today today we're talking about money. We're talking about how uh, you can make money as an artist. It's a big deal. Not a lot of people uh, really know how to after going to school. Or, I mean, they know how, but it's hard. It's hard to do it. So the traditional... The traditional ways of making money as an artist, you all probably have drilled into your head. So there's making art and then selling it. There's teaching art and selling classes. There is the patronage model, which is you're someone who makes cool art and people will just pay for you to make cool art. Or commission you to make cool arts. For example, the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel that was through pa- patronage that Michelangelo painted that. Um, but we're living in an economy that's slowly changing. Uh, one where 80% of new jobs in America are gig based or temporary contracted jobs. So money is a touchy subject, especially amongst artists. I mean, some of you might have heard of this thing called the starving artist. Renz, would you like to give a breakdown of a starving artist that does not include us? Uh, I was going to say I'm a little too hungry for that. <laughs> <laughs> like my brain power is low. But I'm going to use a story to explain this one. Because when I was a young artist and starting out, well, I I wasn't an art pro yet. I wanted to study art. But my Filipino family told me that it wasn't the best idea economically and I was like I'll be fine you know um I don't mind getting into thousands of dollars or debt of debt because I'm going to be experiencing a top-notch college education I'm gonna be networking and I figured it'd be all right and the starving artist idea comes from the trope that it is difficult to make money as an artist. Uh, for, for me, for example, I wanted to become a painter and sell my paintings and uh, at one point maybe get some commissions. And I did. But the, the other side of that 
is knowing and understanding that paintings can sell for thousands, if not millions of dollars, depending on who you are, which is very rare. Or people can expect you to paint for free because it's your passion. Yeah. Like, hey, you draw good. Can you draw me for free? So the difficulty of pricing art comes particularly from the idea that art is has subjective value. So from person to person, that fluctuates, which isn't entirely true. Renz was reading up on dealers during our 15 minutes of research, and a lot of people look at artworks at the higher level as significant cultural artifacts um, in the same way that you would look at maybe, I don't know, a building, which could be an artwork or like an old book that maybe you can't even read or understand, but it's old and it's from a certain time period, so it's a cultural artifact. Um, it's worth preserving as a part of culture, and that that's another way that people can determine the value of an artwork. For example, George Bush's paintings are valuable. You know, he paints dogs and bathtubs and shit like that, not because of the content of the painting, but because it's an artifact of a U.S. president. Um, and some people just like the novelty. So there's a lot of things that go into valuing, valuing art, and I think that's what makes it difficult for, you know, a starving artist to value ourselves and to value our work. You know, sometimes you're like, you pick up your phone, you look at your uh, your bank account, and you're just like, damn, I got like three bucks in there. Let me reach out to some people for some help, or let me see if someone can give me, you know, some some work. Does someone want some commissions? And that that's one model that isn't all too functional in terms of of making money as an artist sometimes you're you have this vision this like beautiful vision you're like i imagine a world made of of gemstones and crystals but you can't afford that so money is both the gatekeeper and a lifeblood of an artistic practice so how do you fucking make some money in this world that is dog eat dog doggy dog <laughs> i don't know man I wish I had the luxury of being able to sell art just because I was somebody that people knew. Like like Snoop Dogg? Like Snoop Dogg. That's a great example. I thought the George Bush example was really good, too. Because George Bush can... I mean, I my grandfather-in-law could probably, if he tried uh, and spent as many hours as George has, he could probably paint just as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if you got lessons in the same way as the uh, former protus, then maybe... You mean former God Emperor? Yeah, he. I bet. Chances are that my grandpa, my grandpa-in-law, will not sell as much as the former POTUS, or even be seen on the same level, on the same echelon of cultural importance. Because, you know, a president having a president as a painter is a pretty fascinating and interesting story. Yeah. For art history, which is already overrun by white male artists yeah that's who cares people talk about that all the time well that's true yeah. but that's really also, that's what, just our art history our art history is keeping us out of that club the club of the the people who can invest in 10 million dollar works of dead white male artists the club of of those same people who don't want any negative news out about said male artist who has a past history and could probably get me too but really doesn't because they sell too too many paintings for and and too many rich people have million dollar paintings owned by x 
male artist in the past who has done some questionable things before Twitter. Yeah. Um, How can we compete? You know, do we have to be bad? Do we have to be white? I think, no, I mean, I think that it all just comes down to marketability. Yeah. And for a long time, a lot of the wealth was concentrated and into specific demographics in the U.S. So, like, you know, they bought art from people that look like them because they identified with the work they were making. But marketability is different these days. For example, if you're an artist and maybe you yourself aren't George Bush, ex-POTUS, but, you know, you get hit up by, for example, like a cool band, like Lil Wayne hits you up and he's like, yo, I want you to, I want you to do a poster for me, bro. Like, I, 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 want, I want a poster and it can be anything that you, that you want. It just it needs to have my name on it and look like me. So that's a roundabout way of investing value into your work that, isn't inherently there is because someone famous liked your work and then was like yeah just put my name on it we're gonna sell it it's the same thing with like if you work for a big company you're producing really really cool images or really cool patterns or really cool uh like like shoe wear ultimately it comes down to the marketability of those things and name recognition and i think that a lot more value in art goes to that than to level of skill that's not to say that really skilled people don't don't also have name value or that unskilled people don't have name value it's just that's just saying like that's where people get the value from yeah and i agree with that i didn't you know i don't want to bum anybody out and by talking about skin color related uh, aspects of the art market. Well, I which, just think everyone talks about that shit so much. Like, yeah, yeah. If you subscribe to that ideology, then we probably don't need to tell you about it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's not an invalid topic, but the, what we want to talk about is the other side of it. Yeah. The gig economy that Gage here was talking about, and that was a perfect example because Lil Wayne is. Picking us up every day. He's like, we love the art pros. Yeah, so here, let me let me sip on this fine cup of coffee right now and get started with my thought. Because, <laughs> it, it, you know, okay, so how do you do that? How do you get the attention of someone like Lil Wayne? It's equal parts luck. Uh, I don't know. I don't, I'm not good at algebra, but you got to be a little lucky. But in order to get lucky, you got to do the thing that your grandpa, your uncle, and your dad all say. Your mom, maybe. Your aunt. They say, you know, you got to get out there. You got to put in the work. You got to be able to understand who you're making art for. And in order to do that, you got to understand what art you're making and why you're making it. Yeah, I think something that's inarguable in almost any... Like, okay, so you have to look at yourself like a business if you're an artist. And I don't do this, but I do know many successful artists who do this. You have to look at yourself like a business. And the number one thing people say in making sales or in getting work to do is networking. So it's either you can network yourself, you can go out to events, you can, you know, rub elbows with a cool curator, be a cool friend that they have. Or if you're really lucky, you can um, inherit other people's networking, as in you can make a cool friend with that curator, or you can have a father who's in the industry who knows people who need work, and then that's the person that, that you're the person that they go to. But I think most people in the current Uh, creative paradigm really really do their networking on the internet 
So Instagram, YouTube, uh, Twitch, you know, Facebook, these are places where it's a lot easier to just kind of, you know, you post a couple times a week, a couple times a month. This is how it was probably from 2006 to like 2017. Uh, you just kind of, you put yourself out there and you network on the internet and you, you kind of get ushered into a, a group of creators that people look at and then the algorithm kind of takes it from there and people can see your work and then it's just based on whether they like it or not that you get continued uh, name value. So you can look at your own identity as a sort of stock. And that's kind of why, you know, like Renz was talking about earlier, getting me too'd, especially if you have a valuable name, you know, that can drop your stock value. It could. Yeah. It could. Uh, so what right now we've established that making money me as an artist means you have to, you have to be able to get social that's the scary part of it as an artist. You know, you yeah. got to go out there and, and, and actually physically meet people, not just on Instagram, not just in, in DMs. And with that takes experience and savvy because you can't just go to every single random thing or every single art event. You fit, Like sometimes you physically can't. Yeah. So what does that mean? That means the other part of it, the, the nuanced part of networking and marketing, which is knowing who you are as an artist and knowing what type of people want to look at your work. Yeah, you got to find your market. Finding your market means, let's say, we just talked about DeviantArt. Let's say uh, I am a very experienced horse painter and I've been painting, that was my focus and thesis in college. And I can make the the best damn horse paintings within a 50-mile radius. That is true. Renz is great so, at painting horses. That means I should be looking and, and posting uh, an, an horse-based Instagram page, networking with other horse-based Instagram artists, and going to horse-based events. Yeah. Horse race? I don't like horse races, but I'll go there and, and, and sell horse paintings maybe i can bring more awareness to save the horses yeah you know? or i could go to a uh, horse sanctuary yeah be like hey i can make a mural for you uh, just just stuff like that it doesn't need to be art related it could be related to people who have money to pay for your art and like similar things as you have the similar sensibility as you let's say i make abstract horse paintings that might open you up a little bit more because you can appeal to a crowd that might have a different taste in art. I, you know, I think if you if you look online and see, um, oh, wow, on average, I don't know where you're going to find this research, but if you do, if you find any research on, uh, let's say, uh, in the art market today, people are buying abstract paintings on average for $5,000. Like, wow. And then... People are buying realistic paintings for only a thousand dollars. Yeah. What are you gonna make? You know, if if you really, really are sticking to your guns, you might be fine with a thousand dollars for a painting because yeah. that's what you studied. That's not a big deal. But that's the point. You know, that's a part of the research you would have to do as an artist to make money. And unfortunately, through a traditional arts education, there's not a lot of business classes you can take to learn stuff like that yeah they kind of they kind of fuck you over in art school like they really don't push business classes and i would say at the one we attended there was maybe eight 
Yeah. Yeah, like eight total you could go to like during a semester. And they weren't even mandatory. No. And it really should be. I mean, in something like the creative market, especially one where you're producing a product that meets no immediate need, you definitely need to have marketing skills. The The problem with, with art in general is people have been um, inundated into thinking that that simply by merit of being art, it has value. But realistically, you need to look at the market and be like, all right, a lot of people are talking about race issues, so maybe I should make art that's about that. Or a lot of people in my immediate vicinity like sailboats, and it might be smart if I want to make money to to do work about sailing and sailboats, as opposed to being like, well, I'm really interested in microbes, and I'm going to make microbe art. If you don't really have an entrance into that market, it's probably not best fiscally for you to do that. That's not to say that you can't work a job. It's just to say that if you're trying to make money off of art, you should know the market within which you're trying to work. So why don't we diverge a little bit from uh, specifically talking about making art via like painting and sticking with the area of study that you focused on during uh, traditional art education or even just uh, your personal education, like self-education. Yeah. So let's say you're a self-educated painter and you started by attending lots of um, uh, life drawing classes, public life drawing classes. You pay like five bucks to get in every day and you get really good at drawing realistically. But then you realize like, wow, the art market really isn't suited for what I do right now. And maybe you fall off a little bit because you feel like, shit, like, I, I think I studied the wrong thing. Maybe, you know, at some point, do what can you say, Gage, about adapting and branching off of your original uh, interest in art or or maybe it might be what got you into art was doing those life painting classes because I the one quote that stuck with me at the very end of my art school education was this man one of the realest things I've ever heard anybody say in art school said to this huge auditorium full of young budding artists said you know realistically uh you're all about to graduate in a couple days um uh 90% of you are probably not going to be doing what you graduated for. Like, and I think the room we're in, like most of us were painters or sculptors. It doesn't matter. He said that whatever you are, you're probably not going to be a painter after you graduate. And just keep that in mind. That's realistic. And I was like, oh, maybe. Well, the know. cool thing about running your own business, like we said, interns, you have to look at yourself as as a business. The cool thing about that is you are able to adapt and pivot within you know within the realm of what you what you find comfortable but if you want to make art as a living and your art isn't selling you have to adapt you have to pivot it's either that or you do something else and and companies do this frequently i mean nintendo started as a like trading card like as like i think they made like card games or maybe just decks of cards and now they fucking lead the market in video game software and and you, you might say that's not that big of a pivot but how many people own nintendo decks that didn't find Nintendo through video games. Luckily, you're a one-man or two-man or three-woman or five-person team, and you guys are like, all right, these murals aren't working. Uh, I do see that there's a market for this other thing. We don't have the skills for it yet. That's where it becomes difficult, so you need money to, in to invest into learning a new skill, or you don't make art. 
or maybe you find a different niche for your market. Uh, luckily, most people who study art, that's not the type of, they're not making the same work at the end of their art studies or like when they've reached the level of art that they wanted to get to. They're not like 10 years later, they might be making something different. Some people stick with the same thing. You know, some companies stay manufacturing uh, like plungers. But some people, they, they adapt, they improvise, they overcome, and, and they change, they change their, their style, whether it's their actual product or their marketing. So uh, maybe, maybe you, you make comics, and you're like, damn, like, I make these cool comics, and I've been self-producing, and I've been trying to sell my comics at, at book fairs, but, you know, like, the competition's pretty steep over here, and there's only, like, 200, 300 people who like my comics. You, you have one of two options. You can change what you make. You might want to move on to, uh, like, public sculptures or applying for grants to make your comics, or you can change who you market to and you might you might migrate from doing live networking where you know most of the people in the art community are in you know they like abstract painting um and and migrate to like deviant art marketing where you're putting your work on deviant art or you're putting your work on instagram and trying to find people you know who might live in korea and people who might live in 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 uh chesterville and might live in uh baltimore you know you're san diego based maybe you start finding people on the internet and there's this new beautiful uh, movement that's going on on the internet called crowdfunding. And maybe you find your patrons that way. So instead of selling physical comic book objects, you find people who like your work, you give them content for free, and in exchange, they fund your practice so that you continue to make content for them. So as opposed to the, the old style of making money off of art, which is I produce objects, someone buys objects, there's a new... And it's also old, but, you know, there's a new way of people crowdfunding your, your process. So instead of someone having to pay $1,000 or, you know, 80 bucks for your comic book, they give you 5 bucks. Yeah, but 100 people give you 5 bucks. Thank goodness for that. Everybody can be a Medici. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, okay. I know what you're thinking, interns. I'm not listening to the art pros to hear about marketing and business stuff. Because they I don't, don't wanna, know shit. I don't want to <laughs> hear that. That's boring. Yeah, I'm sorry. It is kind of boring. But that's the truth. It takes a lot of work to make the big bucks in the art world. It takes a lot of savvy. It takes a, it takes a tough soul to get out there and be realistic. Man, sometimes it just takes a lot of sauce and a lot of friends. Sometimes it, you know, you know what people say? They say, hey, you're only a couple degrees away from meeting a famous person. Yeah. You know, you might, you might know somebody that knows somebody. You know, you're a smart artist. You got skills. You're a smart kid. Why don't you get out there and meet some people and network? That was my idea going into art school. I figured, hey, this is a rich art school. That means rich people are going to be there. Yeah. I might rich. I meet, meet a rich person. Who knows? Or I might meet somebody that knows how to talk to rich people. Or I might meet somebody that knows how to sell work to rich people. And that's really, as Gage said earlier, one of the important things and one of the uh, paradoxical things about the art world. The art world runs on money. Yeah. It's a very old school mentality. It's we were funny because people want to act like they hate money. And, and that's the paradox. 
the you know you got to make money but then but then a, a lot of artists kind of like poo poo the idea of uh selling their work or putting themselves out there a certain way yeah i mean i do that yeah <laughs> yeah i to a to a certain degree i do too because i've been i put myself off by thinking too much about it yeah and i i fell off of the uh the path of of marketing my artwork i didn't even know that you know I, I remember the first time i learned about putting my art and taking pictures of it and documenting it and putting it online making a website i didn't even know that I was marketing myself well here here's an interesting thing interns <laughs> is that growth as an artist and making money as an artist tend to have different you need to approach those two things differently because part of marketing yourself is having the confidence that a company has in its product. You kind of need to Ooh. act like I'm as good. I'm I'm fucking I'm the I'm the Coca-Cola of line drawing, baby. Like if you buy a line drawing from me, this is going to be the best line drawing you've ever seen in your life. But so that's like how you sell it. But for yourself to grow as an artist, you need to be very critical of your own work and part of that comes with the insecurity the damn my line weight ain't that good like my drawings don't look you know like circa 1970 dc comics drawings they look more like circa 1950s dc comic drawings like this ain't golden age this is silver age shit right here so that's <laughs> you have to grow as an artist but you need to pretend like you're already where you're where you need to be at to sell work that's one of my favorite uh quotes is fake it till you make it yeah fake it till you make it it's a very powerful quote really you're not faking anything really it's yeah. confidence yeah i mean uh artists conflate confidence with being the opposite of integrity right like like act like you know trying to show your work to people at a bar you're like oh look at this cool thing i'm making like you'll look at that and you're like man that's not that good like you could always be getting better but you got to have that confidence. You got to be willing to show someone your stick drawing at the bar because they might give you the money for you to work on your stick drawings to turn into fully fleshed anime characters, right? Like you want to make the next Dragon Ball Z, you got to have someone pay for your, your Billy and Mandy. Yeah. Hey, you know what? This sounds like a good time to remind people about one of our our first guest and one of my favorite guests, Poncho. Poncho. That dude talked all about it. We talked all about it. He scared us. He Not scared me. us straight. <laughs> he scared us straight. Then he took us out to lunch. Oh, he yeah. He scared us even more. Yeah, because he flexed how Poncho is a millionaire. Put yeah. that on Wikipedia. <laughs> and so take us, for example. Your, your friendly neighborhood. neighborhood potters. Yeah. We are really good at faking it till we make it oh yeah that's how we started this podcast we acted like we were we were already good at it we're great at it yeah see <laughs> tell me that's that all it takes. you couldn't stack us next to msnbc reporters live right now and our our vocal harmonies go ahead are less smooth than them our ideas are less curated you tell me that and i'll say poo poo on you yeah. I'm moving on to the next chump who may donate to our Patreon at patreon.com slash artprospodcast. If you got something to say, you are more than welcome to DM us or email us about how 
much more fake R news is than any other crap you see online except for Associated Press. Tweet it to my face, bro. Tweet it. Yeah. Swipe right to catch this left hook. Yeah. It's one of my favorite gauge quotes back when we were faking it till we made it. Yeah, we've made it now. We're, we're rich. But here's the irony in that because we were faking faking it till we made it. Because we already, in our heads, we were already there. We're rich. Yeah. So, okay. All right. Um, so, as somebody, as somebody who it has graduated with. A uh, fine arts degree gauge. Yes. What was it like? What was it like right before graduating? What was going through your mind, and what what happened after? Like, oh man, it's different for everybody. You know, I don't want to scare anybody off. I had a couple projects going on um, that I was invested in in an integral way, so I wasn't trying to profit off of them. I was just like, I want to make these projects good. I want them to meet my standards. Uh, and I had a job already i had actually i had two jobs at the time i was doing catering and and i had like teaching gigs lined up so i wasn't that worried about uh income although i wasn't making shit i still don't really make that much aside from you know my sweet art gains but not a lot not as much as should have been going through my head i see people who really leave and they have a jump start and they're like yeah all right i found my market i'm moving out to new york i'm gonna design stuff and hopefully i get picked up by vice i want to work for vice news and make graphics for vice and like those are people who figured it out they found themselves because college really is about figuring out who you are and what you want to do right yeah but so is the art pros academy yeah and and gage's story is good because he wasn't worried because he figured out what he was doing already. He wanted to do something with integrity. He had a projects lined up. He had a side a side gig, uh, catering, making a little money on the side, you know, catering to some folks. Um, that's the type of thing that, you know, if, if you do have that confidence, that's not going to last forever. And if you end up thinking to yourself like, all right, what I learned in college might not cut it in the real world. What am I going to do to reinvest in these skills that I did learn at school that I, that did help me find myself? That's a big that's a big important thing. Maybe you went to school and started off learning painting and and then and then discovered that wow, I'm actually really good at chemistry. Yeah. <laughs> so, maybe yeah. I you know, maybe I should incorporate chemistry into my paintings, you know? You never know what's going to happen down the line. I mean, maybe you're in school, you're in art school specifically, and you've gone through, you know, 200, 300, 500 plus hours of defending your ideas and critiques, selling your ideas and critiques. That's, um, that's really good practice for figuring out how to sell an idea in the real world, how to convince someone that your idea has value. And I think that as an artist, you should really, really learn how to succinctly express yourself basically every time you're talking to someone about your art a potential client they want the elevator pitch and that's what those 500 10,000 20,000 hours of of crits and artist conversations in the studios are supposed to be preparing you for is how can i take all those hours and boil it down to to two sentences okay so let's uh all right i'm um i'm william gates you ran into me we uh you're going to a big fancy building. You walk in the elevator. You're standing next to Bill. I'm Billy Bill. Bill. Yeah. Okay. All right. We're going up to the 15th floor. You got a couple minutes. Right, I'm looking. I'm, I'm scrolling on my phone right now. You're standing next to me. 
Hey, are you uh, are you Bill Gates? Uh, yes, yes. Uh, as a matter of fact, I am. Nice to meet you, young man. Hi, my name is Gage Branda. I I love your work with education. I make art about education and the importance of it in this country. Oh, you don't say. Let me put my phone away right now and stop scrolling. You've captured my attention. Buy my art. <laughs> <laughs> did did that work? <laughs> That's how quickly you have to deliver. <laughs> That's how quickly you got to get somebody's attention, you know? It strikes fear in the hearts of many an artist. It, it, it's just the simple act of socializing and eye contact. I don't want to talk shit about other people. I'm actually talking shit about myself because it's, it's a nerve-wracking <laughs> thing. You got to build yourself up and get to that skill level, that comfort level, being able to walk in there with that uh, BAE, that big artist energy. Big, confident words. Those of you who are creative out there, you should know that unless you're talking to other... When you're talking to people who don't consider themselves artists, nine times out of ten, they're going to be interested to see your art because they're not artists. Other artists, you're talking to, you meet another person in the bar who's also an artist, they don't give a fuck about your art. I know that I don't care. I don't want you to show me your work unless we've talked and I'm like, oh, like I think this person will make something I like. I see enough art. I look at it all the time. But a regular person at the bar who maybe has an empty spot on their wall, they're going to ask. You, right. Yeah, you tell them you're an artist, they're going to ask to see it. All right, see, that's, that's the real advice here. You can't just be walking around to everybody showing them your art. Most people <laughs> yeah. aren't going to care. You got you to gotta wait. You got you to gotta finesse it in there. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned you're an artist. Most people will ask. I mean, like, so my roommate pretty successful he makes a lot of posters for for bands he does gigs and and he reaches out to people but he has a body of work that he can do that with and he tends to drop into every conversation it's kind of it it can be a little annoying sometimes but he drops into every conversation that he's an artist and i know that for people who aren't artists who may have work for an artist hearing that they're gonna you know try and suss you out you know what else is annoying? Walking around with fat stacks in your pocket. Who's yeah. annoyed now? You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know? Someone's doing it right. But he 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 makes a point to let people know he's an artist, and then I, I've seen him like gauge whether or not someone might want to see his work, and mm-hmm. he'll pull it out, and then that's a really good way to make contacts. He does the same thing on Instagram. He'll reach out to people, or he'll post that he's an artist, or post his work, and that's just... That's just dandy. That's called entrepreneurship. That's called business savvy. Yeah, it's having a business. Um, so you can't yell at Bill Gates to to get money, but you know you do need to acknowledge that you're an artist. You can't you can't sit in the corner and expect someone to talk to you. No, and it's not easy. We're talking. We you know we brought up art school because art school is expensive and costs money, and a lot of the time you got to pay back those bills that you might have borrowed to attend this fine, fun, fabulous establishment, organization. Um, For somebody like me, I don't come from money. I took the risk, and I was a little concerned coming out about what I was going to do because I didn't really want to work at Whole Foods, my college job, forever. And I did that for a couple of years, and, you know, I I stuck with my guns, and it took a couple of years of working there until I finally got to do what I'm doing now. Now I'm, now I'm doing some, some cool stuff in the art world because sometimes it just takes time. Sometimes you might have to pay your dues. Sometimes you might got to wait till the right opportunity happens. But in between, 
You can't lose your steam. You can't forget why you started doing that stuff in the first place. Because if you do, then you won't have anything to sell. Maybe you're not an artist of after all. You know, that's the real life thing thing about it. Well, I think I think there's an important distinction we need to make here is that you can be an artist and not make money, but at a certain point, when would it just be more fun to like save your money on materials and go hang gliding? Right, right, right. Or go traveling. So that's the that's the thing is that even the uh, American tax system considers art as a luxury item. Yeah, and that's unfortunate for some reasons because art is not really necessarily always a luxury item when you put it in the context of educating elementary school students about it. Yeah, it's very helpful. Or like people with trauma, you can use art as therapy. In that case, it's not luxury, but it's still lumped in there when we're talking about getting funding for for like your state's art programming well let's talk about that so there's there's a portion of the art market that makes its money off of selling objects Mm -hmm. right and people who make their money off of selling other people's objects that they've made yeah but you know and you do this a lot there's another portion of artists who make work and get their work get their money for this work by applying for grants, residencies, just general opportunities, open calls for artists. Yeah. Yeah. What I do is I'm an administrator for a nonprofit arts organization. So I sit in the office and I help organize uh, all of the events and the grants that are available in the city. And it's very cool. It's not a fully sustainable thing to survive as an artist with grants, but the idea of grants is to propel your profession so that you can stand on your own two feet and keep making art. Think of it as a, as a loan of which the collateral is the product you make and the application is an application similar to applying for school. Yeah. Yep. And sometimes there are even just prizes yeah. where you enter in and, and you get a prize if you if the judges like your art. Sometimes you can just get free money for period. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you can uh, apply for a mural, make a couple extra bucks on the side. That's fun. Yeah. Cause so like, so you have like blank wall space that's owned by the city and they're like, uh, we kind of want to make it prettier over there, raise property value. You're not going to have an individual pay for that because they don't own the property, but the city owns a property. So they use their tax money to pay an artist to make it a prettier area. It raises property values, and theoretically, that's good for the economy. We're getting deep in we we're getting deep in money and art right now. It's a it's a very deep topic, and this this should serve as just an introduction. Like so far, what did we cover? We covered uh, making money uh, if you are a art artist as a business, making money through your city's grant programs and and whatever uh, money the city has to offer artists. Uh, you can uh what else can you do you can do the gig economy like like gage said and and find some patrons and and that that uh is a little bit in line with being a business person um art and money go hand in hand and there's a lot to talk about it but at the end of the day i am definitely not an expert on it otherwise i wouldn't be doing this otherwise i'd be I'd be counting my bankroll. Yeah, I'd be and spending talking with big wigs, eating yeah, caviar every weekend, just counting the money in your hand. Um, 
I can't even imagine being in that lifestyle, man. Just like oh, I can having you know all this attention to my art and having rich people buy it that I can't even relate to. Nah, dude. What we gotta do is we gotta get into the art dealing business where we take other people's art and we sell it for a percentage. Man, I don't know enough rich people to sell art to. All I know are people that want art for free. Well, how do I do that? Here's what we do, guys. Here's what we're all going to do. We're all going to shave our heads. Guys and girls, shave your heads. Shave your shave your facial hair. Well, shave your facial hair. Get a tux. Start going to the Four Seasons, rubbing elbows with people, telling them that you have an interior decoration firm that specializes in filling out wall space, right? And then you just go on really popular people's Instagrams. You say that you represent them. And then when people are like, oh, yeah, I love this this guy's painter. You said he shows in the MoMA frequently. What's his name? Philip Gustin? Oh, this is beautiful. You sell him Philip Gustin. Then using your art skills, your painting classes, you paint a fake Philip Gustin. And then you sell it to him. You give him all fake information. Have him pay you via, via Bitcoin. Or maybe Monero, an untraceable cryptocurrency. You cash that out. You move to Aruba. Did that did you guys are you guys following this? Is was that a good idea? So basically, this podcast turned into <laughs> half baked schemes. <laughs> so all right. Uh, well, maybe you do all that part, but you don't you don't sell them a Philip Gustin painting. Maybe you just show them some art of people you know. Then you turn around, you middleman that, you go to the people that you know, you say, hey, I met this guy, you might want to buy some of your work, uh, can I sell it to him for, you know, 10%? I mean, maybe we're, uh, I feel like I'm uh, beating a dead horse here by reminding all of these faithful and wonderful listeners how hard it is to make money as an artist uh so i don't know man yeah but if we have if we have 500 listeners and all 500 of them try that and three of them for three of them it works that's you know pretty good pretty good percentage like one percent dude yeah (laughs) hey it's all about trying 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 that's the uh that's the buzzword right there one percent yeah one percent no, nah, it's it's super hard. It's super hard to sell art, especially since people feel like they deserve to own it. Um, so there's other ways to make art in or make money in the art world, and a lot of it has to do with teaching people art, realistically, or to work in arts administration. Um, so it's it's I mean, and those career paths are pretty. It's pretty standard how they're laid out. You know, you get a teaching degree and you you apply for a job to teach art um but we're mostly focusing on the business end of it which is treating yourself as a business and businesses fail uh that happens but it's like luckily as an artist you don't have a group of of employees riding on your coattails yet and by the time you reach a level where you could have a group of employees hopefully you've built up a machine you've built up a good brand look man I'm running out of ideas on what to talk about with money in the art world faster than I'm running out of money in real life. (laughs) I don't know. Sometimes I don't know what to do to make more money. Sometimes I wish I was standing on my own too with financial security, but I don't have great financial literacy. I'm trying to get into stocks. I'm trying to grow the F up. I'm trying to learn about cryptocurrency. 
I'm still trying to do get rich quick schemes, man. You know. Well, I think I think that one thing that I'm certain of as an artist is you do need to have your work documented if you want to make money off of the product that is your artworks. You need to be able to show someone. <laughs> like you can't just be like, "Hey, I'm an artist," and they're like, "Oh, cool. Like I need a new wine label. Um, can you do stuff like this?" Yeah, sure. And then you just say, yeah, sure, and then that's it. Like, you don't show them any work. <laughs> like, that doesn't, that's not how it goes. <laughs> well, you need proof of concept. So, all right, all right. We're covering, we're covering a lot about the, the introductory aspect of it. Let's say you do have some skills to offer. Let's say, like, all right, I'm a, I'm, I'm a little bit of a Renz of all trades. I, I have a few different skills, but none that I can really max out on and make a ton of money exclusively on. I, I've made money as an artist at, out of art school um, doing murals. I've made money selling other people's art, for uh, helping them sell their art. I've made money by uh, being commissioned to do graphic designs and portraits and stuff like that on the side, but never consistently enough to, to rely on it and actually build a business off of it. So I ask myself all the time, like, what can I continue to do to put myself out there so that I can you know, uh, find more clientele as a, uh, amateur graphic designer, more clientele as a professional portrait painter, professional muralist, you know, like, like that's, that's my problem to solve. Yeah. So maybe you need to figure out what you actually have made money from before, you know, maybe you've made, maybe you've sold one portrait so far. That means your portraits sell. Yeah. And that's all, you know, that's all you really need to know. Well, that's also a reference. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is important. You can always be like, hey, I've done work with this person. You can ask them about me. And here's the other shitty side of that is the people that tell you they're going to pay, but don't pay. Yeah. So that's a big learning thing for a lot of artists is like... Get contracts. Get contracts. That's, yeah. You know, that's another, that's another big old topic to cover. We don't have enough time for that. We want to get rich quick. Yeah, get rich quick. I don't quick. want a lawyer. We'll get rich quick. Uh, study CS, computer science. <laughs> yeah, uh, user interface, graphic design. You're a smart kid. You know a lot about computers. Why don't you go? Uh, why don't you, Why don't you work for uh, Geico and do their graphic design? Oh man, cause I'm sure you could be CEO one day. I'm just really scared of lizards. <laughs> I'm just really True. scared of lizards, and I don't want to work for a company that supports the lizard agenda. I'm just very scared of lizards. I don't know, man. Me either. Making money as an artist seems like... I always want to say it's like luck, but it's totally not. It, no. I mean, not the, the, the only luck of it is if you have the support system which a lot of people do study art, I know I do, to, like, make art until you can generate a a business out of it. But, and the other half of the luck is uh, the connections you inherit from people. And then just generally uh, genetics things, like, it's probably easier to sell art if people are attracted to you or if people find you charming. No, that's not true, because then we'd be selling lots of art. Dude, I have to beat I have to beat people away because they're always like, "Oh, you're so beautiful. Let me let me buy some of your art." I'm like, oh, "I don't have any. Sorry," because I don't. Another thing is you have to finish work to sell it. That's why I, that's why I don't sell enough. Yeah, I think I solved it in this spot. Yeah, um, yeah, I don't I don't finish shit. Man, I finished I finished 
commission projects, but it's super hard to sell my own work because I just constantly paint over shit. It's fun. I, I mean, mean, so it's cathartic. I, I work for I work for a sculpture firm. We'll call it that. They do bronze. We do bronze uh, public sculptures. We specialize in pretty much anything cast using a lost wax casting pro uh, process, and we we do um, mold making for people. So that's one marketable skill we have that a lot of our competition doesn't have. Uh, a lot of other foundries in the U.S. require a wax version of the bronze sculpture they want to be made, but we'll, we do full service. And the way that they make money is simply by having a niche. Like we're one of 50, like I think 50 arts foundries in the country. So that's another thing is you may be like a great portrait painter, but there's a thousand other ones in your city maybe who do it. But if you're a portrait painter who specializes in, in uh, flowers and, and plants, maybe you start doing garden portraits and it's different from just a regular figure in front of a, of a blank wall and that's a niche that you can sell yeah 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 maybe you do full service you, you'll do photography and then you'll paint the photo maybe you're a foot portrait artist yeah painting portraits of people's feet uh, yeah for people who have a lot of wealth and like feet a whole lot like quentin tarantino i got a good niche for you gage why, why don't you uh, have a business casting people's casts, like if you broke a limb in bronze instead of uh, plaster? Oh, like baby shoes? No, like like if I broke my arm, I would want it cast in bronze instead of that lame stuff. That, you know what I'm saying? I don't see a big market for that. Healthcare, healthcare costs are already high enough as it is. <laughs> You can't cast my arm in bronze if I break it? Oh, we totally can. It's just, <laughs> I wouldn't suggest it. <laughs> but We'd have to TIG weld it to your arm. Yeah, that's totally, that's totally um, uh, counterproductive because then you'd have to be lugging around about 30 pounds of bronze on your, uh, from your shoulder. Yeah. I mean, another thing is have a website. You got to have a website. You have to have a way for people to to search you up and find you. So that brings me to SEO, search engine optimization, which we're working on at the Art Pros podcast. But if you have a website, you have your niche, you have your body of work, you're like, oh, how do I reach people? You know, I'm a comic book artist who focuses on dog comics. Um, I know that there's a market for it across the world. I just want to get to the top of that of that Google search. Search engine optimization, where you post, you got to post blog posts about your comics so that when people Google search, oh, dog comics, you pop up. That'll get you sales. I think that's how uh, our foundry gets most of their clientele, through word of mouth and through being the only foundry, you know, <laughs> in Maryland. So people look up bronze sculpture, bronze casting, or bronze foundry, and we're the first uh, company that comes up. Yeah. So search engine optimization is basically, um, it, it, let's say you have a website. What it does is Google will scan your website if it's registered and it does a what it, what's called a crawl where Google will read your whatever keywords are in your website and use their algorithm to match it up with popular keywords that are related to what your website's about. So you're a dog comic artist, um, or, and you, you want to have your website on the first page of Google. Here's a tip. Look up dog comic artists right now 
and see what the most popular result is. And if you want to get ranked quickly, you can figure out why Google chose that. And a lot of it has to do with backlinks, meaning if another website is linking to your website, then Google's going to think you're legit. But let's say you still need to work up to that. Then what you got to do is do what's successful. Look at what other people are doing on Google because Google is just a machine. It, it, you can play that game and be like, all right, the number one hit is, says um, uh, is a dog, political dog comic. Why don't you make a better political dog comic? Better than that. If that content is good enough to rank, and if your content is better, you're gonna, you know, move up the ranks pretty quickly. Yeah, um, and the whole point of getting to the top of that Google search is most people don't go past the first page. So if they're looking to hire someone, they're not gonna want to have to search for your content. They're gonna want to be able to click on the like, look up political dog comic. They find you. They click on your work. It brings them straight to your artwork, and then boom, right at the bottom, uh, contact form. Or maybe a maybe you already have a store set up, or you have all your dog comics available, and boom, yeah. that's just passive income. Yeah, and you can't, you, you really cannot stop being on the internet and talking about yourself because the internet moves so quickly. Yeah, you're gonna get left behind. Here's another thing: uh, a lot of artists, and this is like probably I think my biggest failure as an artist is my fear to put out work that I think isn't good enough or unfinished. But like, you could just have a fucking Teespring, which is a website where you give them. Uh, designs and they'll print manufacture and ship shirts that people buy and you get a percentage of that like you could just throw a bunch of shit on teespring or you could just have like any of your throwaway sketches available for sale and then all you need to do is pay you know that 14 dollar a month hosting fee or whatever to sell your work and just constantly have that available and constantly have inventory a big thing like poncho said like other artists i know who sell work consistently say is having the inventory to back it up because you don't want someone to reach out to you be like hey do you have any paintings available and you're like oh i have three that i think are good enough because chances are if they like your work they're going to see something that you may not think is that good and they'll consider it Mm -hmm. that's true you can't sell anything if you don't have anything to sell. Yeah. Not everybody's going to want to commission your work if they don't know what your work looks like, if they don't think you're good enough to paint their baby. Because they might, you know, they might be scared that, you know, they ask you, they give you a picture of their baby and it ends up looking like a pug. Yeah. Might be a cool pug. <laughs> it might be a cool pug, but if they're, you know, if you're like, oh, yeah, I'll, uh, for an 18 by 24 portrait, I usually charge 600 bucks. But I'll and, do yours for forty. <laughs> yeah, and they get it back, and it's a uh, you know the the baby. It's it's notoriously difficult to paint babies because they end up for, looking weird. Excuse me for one sec. I have to use the restroom. Well, we're you know we're at fifty five minutes. Hold I think on. that's a good uh, a uh, good time to pause before we close <laughs> it out. And we're back. Gage took an incredibly fast pee. We only got a few minutes left. We're gonna close it out. I think that's a good time. <laughs> All right, guys. We haven't told you anything you never heard before. Um, and shit, we don't really know that much about it except for the fact that uh, we both do still work in the art sector and we both still make money and we, we've, you know, gotten sales, all that. Don't we're, be scared. Yeah, we're not, we're not that good at it, to be honest with you. But we know a lot of people who are really good at it. I mean, like, really good at it. And a lot of those people are older. 
a lot of those people uh, were in the positions that you guys are as unpaid interns. But here's a tip on how to not make money is to not do any of the stuff we said. <laughs> don't market yourself. Don't have any artwork. Just sit around and wait for someone to pay you. Uh, I tried that for a long time and didn't fucking work. <laughs> um, wait, so you're saying it's not going to work? <laughs> no, damn, damn it's I not going to work. I got to change my strategy. Yeah, me too. I mean, I I might have to give this pod a second listen and do all the fucking advice I gave. I feel like I was projecting that whole time. Um <laughs> Another thing, it, another way to not make money is to uh, be an unpaid intern. Yeah. Well, you know, what better what better uh, p- uh, advice to listen to than people who know what not to do? Yeah. Yeah, people who know who failed and they're like, yeah. all right, what haven't I done? All yep. right, it looks like that fucking works. Yeah. Yeah, we're like, uh, we're like your, uh, fam- your uncle, the uncle in the family who gives a bad advice yeah. at the wrong time. You gotta and you gotta play to your audience. So I I know this kid. Friends also knows him. Uh, we did a radio episode with him. Who you know when I first met him, I don't think was selling work or anything really. I think he was just making art and had a lot of integrity. And uh, I would argue he still has integrity. But he learned that he needs to sell and play to his strengths and like what the market expects of him. Um, so he found a niche a material. Like specifically, his art is very materials oriented, and has uh, specific content that people now go to him for. Whereas when I first met him, he was making work that was kind of all over the place, uh, and his sales have just gone up. His marketability has just gone up, and it it doesn't hurt that he was putting himself out there all the time and applying for things. Yeah, and in that specific example, that's the type of person who had enough integrity to discover what it is that they were doing that worked, but still fit into what they felt was right to do. Yeah, they With, improvised, they adapted, yeah. they overcame. Yeah, because, you know, if you keep making the art that you want to make, it'll evolve eventually to a point where you can sell it. And you still like making that type of stuff. Yeah. And that's what we saw, you know? Gage and I saw it in real time. His artwork evolved. At, at first glance, it was like, all right, what what is going to happen with this artwork that, you know, really I've never seen before, but, you know, he stuck with it and eventually became something that was uh, appealing. Yeah. And that's the point, you know, you can't, you can't really give up on something if you really, if you really put your, your all into it and it's easier said than done. You know, it's a romanticized version of the, uh, the artist that, you know, at first you really do have to struggle through the, starvation in the ramen i mean there's a game to be played and uh here at the art pros we we see the game maybe we don't play hard enough but learn from our mistakes oh yeah and you'll see in 10 years renz and i will be extremely wealthy (laughs) extremely wealthy we're gonna buy you all drinks we're gonna buy you all drinks um yeah we're gonna invite you to the bar we bought in the studio <laughs> we bought. The, the yeah, garage. come through. We're going to be hosting Goku fan art, art shows. Yeah, y'all remember uh, the uh, how to build the ideal studio episode? Yeah, we're going to have that ideal studio for we're you. Not, yeah, you know, you got to talk things into existence. It's it's that thing, the secret. You got to yeah. uh, what have is a it goal. called again? Uh, the the uh, answer. Posit- positivity. The yeah. power of positive thinking. Yeah, uh, you got you to gotta be... Uh, 
positivity attracts positivity. You got to imagine that you're moving into an alternative timeline where your skill set <laughs> and your marketability will make you wealthy. See, I do believe in that philosophy, but it's just funny when people do it. Yeah, like, say it like out they, loud, yeah. Like they don't, or, or like they take it out of context. Yeah. Like really, like, like, you know how some people say, oh, if you keep praying to God, maybe something good will happen. Yeah. And atheists would be like, fuck that, praying, praying is dumb, like, there's no God. I'm just going to believe really hard that things are going to happen how I want them to. Yeah, that's <laughs> and like that's the like, same. Dude, yeah, it's the same exact concept. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I subscribe to the timeline theory, so yeah, it's the same thing as as my thoughts and prayers are. are I really do too. Yeah, well, the the whole thing is like, um, you have to, and in business, in in the business world, they call it the five year plan. As an artist, you should have a five year plan, and and part of that envisioning positive shit, you know, whatever prayers, whatever, is that when you envision that stuff, you it's kind of hard to ask for it or to hope for it without knowing what it looks like. Like, you can just sit around and be like, I hope I'm wealthy one day. But that's not going to get you anywhere. That's not really positive thinking. That's just, like, making a wish, like, like hoping that a genie will answer it. But if you think positively, it kind of helps structure out, like, what's my five-year plan look like? All right, so if I want to be at X, Y, and Z in five years, I'm going to hope that A, B, and C happen. Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, then you consciously or subconsciously start to make decisions in that general direction. Uh, and to close it out, I have one more super corny uh, dad advice that actually my <laughs> aunt gave me uh, when I was on my way to college. And she said, you know what you should do, Renz? What really helped me, how I got this huge house in San Diego. What I did was I wrote a list of all my goals and crossed them out every time I hit them. You know, it could be a small goal or a big goal. Just write it down, keep it somewhere, and look at it every day and just keep working and and trust me, you'll feel good when you cross that thing off the list. I'm thinking in my head, like, damn, that sounds dumb as shit. Yeah, list. A list? What's a list, list going to do to me? But I'm sitting here now, and I really do appreciate the advice. I've thought about it all the time since she said it. And you know who else has the same advice? This popped up in my timeline. Joe Rogan. <laughs> Joe yeah. Rogan. And it took Joe Rogan for me to realize that, man, my aunt was really saying some real stuff. Yeah. It, I, <laughs> If I could give you guys some dad advice, uh, I'll give you I'll give you my mom's dad advice, which is uh, don't fuck up. <laughs> that sounds like a coach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you drop if you drop this pass, you're getting you're getting cut and you're gonna become the third string. You're gonna become the water boy. Yeah. Just focus on your shit. Don't fuck up. That's tough love. Right yeah. There. And my mom offers like way more support than I know most people's parents do. You know, love her, but. Yeah, uh, yeah, that was kind of her sentiment. And she's a hardcore. She was a hardcore business lady out here making deals with her, with her i iPhone. That's, she <laughs> she used to have two phones. She had the BlackBerry and the iPhone. One for work. One Whoa. for one for the plug. Oh, uh, yeah. That's a businesswoman. I have business. If I ever heard of it. Hell yeah, amen, brother. Yep, yep, yep. So don't fuck up. Know your goals. Keep track of where you are in them, and uh, you should. I mean, I don't know shit about any of this, but you should break down your goals too to know like what subsequent things you need or what prerequisites you need to hit before you can hit a goal so that you're not, so you have more things to cross off. Yeah. Just, you know, part of that is uh, the morale boost of it. You know, when you cross off that thing, you see it physically that you've achieved it finally after 10 long years of wanting that, uh, that Subaru. Yeah. Especially if your goal doesn't have... Uh, a monetary incentive you need something to uh crush those endorphins 
like to actually pull them out of you. So like crossing off a list, seeing a list get filled up, even especially if you're like, let's say you're a little obsessive or compulsive, you know, you might need to see everything cross off that list. Who knows? If you made it all the way this far without getting pissed off and and saying, stop giving me advice, dad, I got this. (laughs) Dad. Thank you. Thank you very much, and I hope you're as pumped up as we are now, because we're about to go out there and make some real money now. Make some real fucking money. Alrighty, everybody, interns, have a great uh, evening, uh, morning, or afternoon, wherever you are, whoever you are, and make sure you give us money. Yeah, <laughs> uh, help us with our help us with success for our get rich quick scheme at patreoncom artpros or uh, donate Bitcoin to us. We'll post up the wallet, whatever. Peace. Peace.